couple days ago, I did a Google search, and I typed in songs with the title, Follow Me. There was a mess of them, well over a dozen, maybe 16, 18 of them. And I found it interesting, there were country songs named Follow Me. There were rap songs named Follow Me. There were those schmaltzy boy bands with songs, Follow Me. There were gospel songs with Follow Me. Alison Krauss had one that says, Don't Follow Me. And uh, there was one, it was a Motown song, it says, I will follow you if you follow me. And I picked, how does that, you stand in a tight circle and just go around a circle? I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. But I say that as a joke because uh, I didn't read all the lyrics of all the songs. I think some of these people are people you are not supposed to follow. And follow me is a command that Jesus Christ gave often. But I want you to know that when we do follow Christ, it is very possible that we don't all walk in lockstep. We have different gifts. We have different strengths. And my walk might not look like your walk, but we're both following Christ. So with that being said, let's uh, dive into this subject. And my first passage will be in Galatians 2, 6, and 7. Galatians 2, 6, and 7. This is a passage talking about the ministries of Paul and Peter. Paul and Peter. When they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, those are the Gentiles, was committed unto me, Paul, as the gospel of the circumcision, those are the Hebrews, was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me, Paul, towards the Gentiles. The question is, is which man followed Jesus? One was ministering to the Jews and the other one was ministering to Gentiles. And I ask you, which one was following Jesus? And I think you'll say both of them were. They just have different ministries. Amen? Let me ask you another question. Which man had a blue-collar background and which man had a white-collar background? Right? Paul was the guy, he was the book learner, spent most of his time in libraries. And where did Peter spend his time? On a boat with ropes and nets. He probably had calluses on his calluses in his background. And I find it interesting. God sent Peter, the uneducated man, to the educated Jews, and he sent Paul, the educated man, to the uneducated Gentiles. That's not the way I'd have done it. Aren't you glad I'm not God? Amen? Yeah. Okay. Which man was a church planner and which man wrote a lot of church epistles? Well, that was Paul. Was Peter not following God because he wasn't a church planner? No, I think he was. Let me ask you this question. Which man was married, ministered closer to home, and wrote general epistles? Well, that was Peter. I asked you the question, which one was following God? And both of them were, right? And the last one is, is which man mentored ministers and wrote pastoral epistles? That was Paul. Peter didn't do any. He didn't have any sons in the ministry, according to the scripture. Huh, I wonder why he's goofing off. No. There was one more. Which man began as the spokesman for the twelve, and which man began suspect of the twelve? Isn't that interesting? Two different men with different backgrounds, with different ministries, walking in a way that are both following Jesus Christ, but if you look at their walks, they're completely different. 
I got news for you. When you follow Jesus, this is going to sound like a duh, but you got to look at Jesus. You don't look behind you, that's going to get in trouble. You don't look to the side of you at your brothers or sister, that's going to get you in trouble. You don't look down at your circumstances, and you don't look, my sin, too far ahead. What's going to happen next? When you follow Jesus, you got to look at Jesus. Now, I should be able to close the book and you say amen and that's it. But I'm going to prove it to you. All right? Because we fail. I fail. And the funny thing is, is there's a lot of folks recorded in the scripture that fail. And, And the bottom line is, we're going to look at five people that were given the command to follow Jesus. And each time, they were given very specific constraints that didn't apply from every Christian from A to Z. It was only for them. And the reason why it was only for them was because they had an idol in their heart. And Jesus said, you need to lay that down. Amen? Amen. And it may be something very good or something that could be used for good, but you know what? It's not good for you. So you need to lay this thing down. And the first thing, okay, let me give you an example, okay? This is a a silly example. And I ran it by the men on Wednesday night, okay? This is totally made up, so don't guess which two boys I'm talking about or which two daughters I'm talking about, okay? This is just totally a made-up scenario. Let's pretend I've got two children, and and one of the children is, is, is very undisciplined and, and, and very um, struggles with, with, with schoolwork. And they come to me, boy or girl, it doesn't matter. One of them comes to me and says, Dad, I would like to play on this ball team and I would like to work this part-time job. And I look at that child and I say, nope. I said, I know you. And if you do both things, your schoolwork will suffer. Amen. You can do one, okay? Pick one. You can do one, but you can't do two. All right, Dad. So child number two comes along, and they are very organized and very structured and very disciplined, and they say, Dad, I want to play on this ball team, and I want to work on this part-time job, and I say, okay. Now you know what's going to happen in the household, if I do that, right? What am I going to hear? Not fair, right? And I go back to the first one. I say, I know you. Now, now I'll tell you what. If you go along and do this one, whatever way you pick, the ball, game, ball team or the, or, or, or the side job, and you prove yourself that you're handling it okay, I'll let you add a second, but you have to prove that to me before I'll let you. Okay, so my question to you is, which one is driving those conditions I put on the different children? And I got to give a hint, it's not favoritism. It's love. 
because my goal is the long-term benefit of that child. You see, when we pray to God, we call him Father. We don't call him a communist dictator. What's the difference? A father knows his children and he customizes his tutoring or his mentoring to that child to maximize the profitability of that child. A communist dictator makes a rule that applies to everybody and that rule is such that it hits the lowest common denominator. Kids hate that. Students in a classroom hate that. And religionists hate that. That's the word I made up. That's kind of a fancy word for legalists, okay? They hate that. How can you do that? That's the way God operates. And we're going to look at some examples of that particular case. I was sharing, I was calling a preacher friend of mine in Arkansas, and I was telling him, you know, we always talk, and we, we, we say, you know, what are you preaching on? Well, this is what I'm preaching on. What are you preaching on? And, and this particular brother, Brother Gary, you know him. He says, you know, that exact same thing happened in my house. He said, I had two sons. And in growing up, one of them was very mathematical-oriented, and he turned out to be an engineer. And another one was very much literature-oriented, and he ended up becoming a preacher. And he says, I gave my son with the literature-type tendencies and the gifts and the strengths, I gave him a thousand-page book on the biography of George Washington. And he says, and he read the whole thing. He says it was at a college level, and he was still like you know, early high school. And he read it. He did great. He says, if I would have gave that to my second son, the, the one that turned out to be an engineer, he says, it would have destroyed him. He says, hands-on, doer kind of guy. So, so the thing is, is my friend Gary, my brother Gary, what he was doing is he knew his children, and his goal is to push and to advance them. And a father knows his children, and he knows weaknesses and his strength, and he customizes the instruction to do so. We're going to read five cases where Jesus is going to put very specific constraints on saints that we are not going to say, this is how it is for everybody in this church. No, we're not going to do that. And it drives legalists nuts. It does. But that's the word of God. Because we have a father in heaven, we don't have a dictator in heaven. Amen? Okay. So that being said... Uh, let's see, I've said this, saints get into trouble when they look backwards, when they look sideways, when they look down, when they look far ahead. Uh, here's things, okay? All right, let's, let's go right here. My first reference, okay, we're going to talk about the five. First one can be found in Luke 18. This is the account of the rich young ruler, okay? The rich young ruler. I'm not going to read the whole account, and it shows up in, I think, three Gospels, but I'm just going to read Luke's account. Luke 18, 22 and 23. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, this is the rich young ruler, yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now, did God give a command from every saint from A to Z to sell all his assets and turn it over to the poor? And the answer is no. But he looked at this young man and he says, you need to sell everything. Why? 
because he had an idol in his heart and his idol was wealth. Wealth can be used for very good things. You can help saints out in need. You can further the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen? Those are good things. But this man had to get rid of it. It was his hobby horse is the word I like to use. Okay? This man had everything people want. Okay, what is the cosmetic industry trying to do? Help women look younger. Well, he was young, right? What is everybody striving for? More money. And if they're not striving for more money, they're striving for more power, right? And he had all three. And you know what? He was empty. He had a God-shaped hole in him, right? So he continued to look for something. And you know what? Commandment keeping didn't fill it for him. He tried. Evidently, commandment keeping wasn't enough for him. The man's problem is he wasn't looking back or to the side. You know what he was doing? He was looking down and far ahead. That was what his problem was. So Jesus customized the man's follow me. That sounds like crazy language, but he gave him a follow me and it was customized. And you know what his customization was? Liquidate. Sell it all. Get rid of it. Hmm. It was hard, and he went away sorrowful. Now, I don't know if he stewed on it, and he finally did. I I have no idea. But it was hard. Sounds like, Jesus, you're kind of hard. Well, he could look into the heart of someone and see that. Well, again, from a biological sense, I can do that too. I could say, you know what? Give me the cell phone. To a child, right? Right? Now, can I find a Bible command that says, get rid of your cell phone? No, but I can see where an idol has become, or you get addicted to social media or whatever it is, right? Or or maybe it's the the gaming, right? Get the gaming. Yeah, but my brother's playing the game. Yeah, but he's not addicted to it. You are. But but he's playing the games. I know, but he's finished schoolwork and you haven't, right? What am I doing? It's not favoritism, it's love. Yes, and that's exactly what God is doing to this rich young ruler. There was something there. It was something in his heart, and he customized something. Okay, let's go to number two. Number two, this is recorded in John 21. This is Peter, Peter, okay? Now, this is the, John 21 is the account, and I'm going to read a couple verses here where the follow me's are, but I'm going to, let me kind of paraphrase what's going on here. If you remember, Jesus rose from the dead, and he was pretty close to the end of his 40 days here on earth. And the disciples jumped into a boat, and they were fishing. Several of them were. And as they were fishing, they weren't fishing, and they didn't catch anything. And, 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 and uh, as they were coming into shore, Jesus said, toss the net over on the other side, and they did. And they hauled up a great big load of fishes. And John goes to Peter and he says, I'm getting that deja vu feeling. I think that's Jesus over there. Peter jumps in the water and swims to him and he has this fish bake for a little while and he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So this is what we're picking up, okay? I'm in John 21, let me read 15, 19, and then I want to drop down to 21. I know I'm kind of skipping all over here. encourage you to go back and read the whole passage. I wouldn't get through all five people if I read the whole passage. So when they had dined, Jesus saith, Simon, that's Peter, 
son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, and that these are the fish? Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. And then he said that three times, and I'm skipping the third, second and the third time. And when Jesus had spoken these things, he said unto Peter, Follow me. Okay, now think about it. Jesus already told Peter to put down the nets twice. And he's telling me a third time, put down your nets. And you know what Peter does? He turns to John and he says, what about John? Don't you know when you first called me to go fishing, he was fishing too. Don't you know when you're getting after me and you say, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Peter or John was fishing too. Why are you teeing off into me? And he says, because you have an idol in your heart and it's your secular vocation. You need to lay that thing down. Do you know when I go to scripture and I look at the Apostle Paul? You remember what Apostle Paul was? Apostle Paul was a tent maker, right? And did you know when he went to Corinth and Thessalonica, you know what he did? He said he wouldn't take a nickel from those people and he made tents. But when he went to the Philippians, he would take their gifts. You go, what a hypocrite. No, he's not a hypocrite. Why did he do that? Because of them. The Thessalonians were lazy. The Corinthians were immature. And he says, I don't want your money. So he worked. But Jesus just told Peter, don't work secular vocation. But he worked a secular vocation. Why did he tell Peter that? Because of the idol in his heart. Right? So let's look at this. Okay? Peter was told to put down his net twice. This is the third time he's being told. Peter's problem is he wasn't looking behind or too far ahead. You know what he was looking? He was looking down and sideways. You can't follow Jesus unless you're looking at Jesus. And he's too busy eyeballing John. So Jesus customized Peter's follow me. And he said, lose the net, buddy. Okay? He told the rich young ruler, liquidate. And he told him, lose the net. Did he tell every preacher from A to Z to lay down your profession? The answer is no. They better be willing to do it. But in some circumstances, no. The reason what he did is he customized it because his hobby horse was working. Okay? Okay, that was number two. Number three, four, and five are all in the same passage. They're all in Luke chapter nine. So if you're following me along, you might want to go there. Luke 9, let me read the first of these three characters in Luke 9. This is the third one of our five. Verse 57 and 58. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds have air of the nests, have of, of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Did you know? Peter had a house, but Barnabas sold his property, right? Paul rented a house, and Philemon had a house where the church met. Did he tell all preachers from A to Z to get rid of your possessions? No. 
But he told this man, he says, you know what? That cozy, warm, security feeling you have of home, you got to lose it. Why? Because that was his hobby horse. He had to lose that. What's the point of this lesson? The point of this lesson is, is Jesus made a command to follow me. And the first thing is, is your follow me won't exactly look like my follow me. Why? Because I got a different hobby horse than you. I, I admit it. My weakness is four steps ahead. Okay? I know people that suffer from guilt. Their hobby horse is looking backwards all the time. Guilt. And I know other folks that are always comparing themselves to other people. Their hobby horse is looking sideways. Right? I can't tell you how many people say, yeah, as soon as I get my act together, then I'm going to do this, this, and this. What you're doing is you're looking down at your circumstances. You can't follow Jesus unless you're looking at Jesus. So we don't walk, as my title said. We're not like like soldiers on on a parade field marching step by step in lockstep order. Sometime one person stays around Judea and another one gets on a boat and circles the Mediterranean. Are they both following Jesus? Yeah. It looks a little bit differently, doesn't it? Yeah. Men have one ministry. Women have a different ministry. He made us different. Okay. Those look different too. Okay. So Jesus said, do not count on coziness or familiarity. But I find it interesting. Jesus is up on the cross And he looks down and he sees his mother, Mary. And he's got all the disciples there. And he says, John, take care of my mom. Why did he do that? I think he was the stay-at-home preacher. Amen? Peter was going to be the evangelist. John was the stay-at-home preacher for quite a while. Okay. Let's go to number four. Number four. Luke 9, 59 and 60. Jesus said to another, follow me. The man responded, Lord, suffer me first to go to bury my father. Sounds like a pretty good excuse, doesn't it? This is where Jesus crossed the line. No, I'm not. He didn't cross the line. Look at this. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You know when I read this account? I'm thinking of a time in Mark chapter 6 where he sent the disciples out two by two, right? And they went out preaching. And when he gave them, he told them, he says, go preach to the Jews. Don't preach to the Samaritans. Don't preach to the Gentiles. When you go, don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't take an extra coat. Don't take an extra pair of shoes. Rely on your preaching. And what happened in the middle of that apprenticeship assignment? What did they got news? What did they get news of? Anybody? John the Baptist died. And you know what they did? They went and buried him. Jesus told them to preach. And they interrupted to conduct a funeral. And after the funeral, they went back to Jesus and he chewed him out just like this guy. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He sat with them and they had an old-fashioned, what we called in the 70s, a rap session. How was your preaching? How did it go? What was your failures? What were your successes? What were your do-overs? What did you learn? And they, and they talked about it. 
Why was it okay for him to interrupt they, uh, those 12 disciples to interrupt their ministry to go be- have a funeral, but this guy had to step away from his father? And the reason why is he had an idol in his heart, and it was some secular duties, that funeral. He says, you need to lay that down and go preach the gospel. Now you think, Brother Doll, that sounds really hard. It does. It's a hard one for me. Because I look at the Bible and it says, honor thy father and mother. I think having a funeral is honoring your father. Not when it comes to the point where you let that supersede following the Lord. Hmm. Okay. Number five. The apostle seats preaching to Perry John. And he said, let go of your secular duty. Number five. Luke 9, 61 and 62. Another said, Lord, I will follow thee. And he says, but let me go bid them farewell. This is his mom and his dad, which are at home at my house. Jesus said, no man, having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's that looking back, right? And he just said, you know, I'm going to follow you, but I just want to go back and say bye to mom and dad. I find it real interesting. When I go to the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Elisha. And he had a father in the ministry called Elijah. And do you remember what Elisha was doing when Elijah called his son in the ministry? He was in the back 40 plowing them with a yoke of oxen, a team of oxen. And he was plowing. And along comes Elijah and he takes his mantle and he puts it on Elisha. And Elisha says, I'll follow you, but let me go say goodbye to mom and dad. And Elijah said, okay. So why was it okay for Elisha to say goodbye to mom and dad, but not this guy? And the reason is, he had an idol in his heart, and it was family. He had a heart, his was family. He had needed to put down the family. Did God tell everybody to put down family? The answer is absolutely not. You need to honor your parents. However, there comes a point in time where when honoring parents gets in the way of following Jesus Christ, you need to step back. Okay? Elijah waited on Elisha to say goodbye, but Jesus said, let go of your family. All right. I got a verse to kind of wrap up these five. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew 19? Matthew 19. Let me read 27 through 29. Okay, let me read the passage. And Peter said unto Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Verse 28, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. There's eight things listing in there. I can't find one place where he asked one disciple to lay down all eight of them. But you know what I can find? I can see brother so-and-so laying down one of the eight 
And I can see brother so-and-so laying down another one of the eight. And this brother over here laying down a different one of the eight. I believe what he's saying is y'all have hobby horses. And in this list here, you've all had to lay down something. You just have a different hobby horse. Yours might be computer gaming. Yours might be social media. Yours might be physical fitness. Yours might be your workaholism, you know, whatever that is. We've got different things that get in our way. That's where we're at. All right. So let me try it a different way. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember when I preached this. It's probably about a year ago. We talked about liberties. You remember there, there are certain liberties we have as Christians But if we are standing next to a weak brother, we forsake those liberties so we don't offend them. The example I like to use is I don't think it's wrong to have a small glass of wine with a meal. But I will not have a small glass of meal when I'm sitting at a table with an alcoholic. I will not touch that thing even though, quote unquote, I have the right to when I'm with a weak brother, that right goes flying out the window because I don't want to be a stumbling block. Right? You know what Jesus is doing? Think about this. You are forsaking a liberty, but in this case, you're the weak brother. In other words, if family is your weakness, you understand? He says you got to lay down family. If alcohol is your weakness, lay down the alcohol. What we're talking about was when I talk about liberties and we lay down something because of someone else, you're going, yes, 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 yes. But if it's customized and you have to lay it down because you're the weak brother, that's exactly what he's doing here. It might be to liberty Christians as a whole, but not for you because it's your weakness. That's your idol. Okay? Okay. I want to go through some lists here. Because if you look up the phrase, follow me in scripture, it's all through. Just like those songs, there's some good songs with follow me titles and there's some bad songs with follow me titles. Okay? So whether or not we follow, that's a choice. Let me give you some verses. 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah asked the question, how long shall ye halt between two opinions? If God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. It's a choice to follow Jesus. Okay? Matthew 16, 24. Jesus, if any come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And the things this brother's going to have to do, deny, it might be different than this brother, than this sister, than this sister. Don't, don't be looking sideways. Look at Jesus. John 8, 12, you want light? I am the light of the world. He that followeth me not walketh in darkness. You want to walk in the light or you want to walk in the darkness? In John 12, 26, you want to serve? Let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. So we have to make a choice. I do want to follow Jesus Christ. And when I make that choice, I need to get my blinders out. I got to stop looking, and maybe for you, it's stop looking sideways so you get your blinders out. Maybe for you, you need to 
pull that rear view mirror off the dashboard because you keep looking backwards. I don't know, whatever it is. But to follow Jesus, that's what you have to do. You have to make a choice. Okay? What to follow is also a choice. Let me give you some verses here. There's some good things and some bad things you can follow. Isaiah 5.11 says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning and follow after strong drink. Now that's something you don't want to follow after. Ezekiel 13.3, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit. You know, this is the best thing to follow right here. Well, I believe. Well, I think. Well, the Lord told me in a little bit of his song. Well, how many times have you heard that? And you go, well, he didn't tell me that. And the Bible says this. So I'm going to go with scripture. Yes? Okay. Isaiah 51. 1. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. That's a good thing to follow after. And so is the thing in Hosea 6.3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. That's a good pursuit to follow, getting to know the Lord better. So we have to make a choice to follow Jesus. And we've got to figure out, we've got to make a choice of what we're going to follow. And then we've got to follow who we're going to follow. Okay, let me read a couple verses here. In Matthew 4, 19, he told Peter and Andrew, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And it didn't stick. Peter had to be told two more times after this. Matthew 9, 9, he saith to Matthew, follow me. Matthew arose and followed him. He only had to use one command for him. John 1, 43, he found Philip, and he said, follow me, and Philip did. And then 1 Peter 2, 21, to the called, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example. You should follow his footsteps. Now, again, when we follow Jesus Christ, we walk in his footsteps, but those footsteps aren't going to be identical. Peter stayed in Judea, mostly, and Paul went around the Mediterranean Sea. So he was following Jesus, but they aren't identical the way the ministries work out. That is so hard. And they chose what they would follow. Here's a couple more. Here's some good things to follow after. Romans 14, 19, let us follow after the things which make for peace and edify one another. Those are some good things to pursue. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, let us follow after charity. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, Follow that which is good. And then 3 John 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. So you need to make some choices. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow the things of the Lord. I'm going to follow his word. I'm going to follow his commandments. And I'm going to follow the things that are charitable, that are good, that are uplifting. Those are the things I want to follow. Those are all choices. And why do we do it? We don't do it to get a bigger crown in heaven. We don't do it to get pats on our back here on earth. We do it to glorify him. Okay. <laughs> Following. Here, I, I got I to gotta share something with you. Deborah reminded me of this. I preached a follow me sermon. And I remember it was a long time ago because... Emma was just born. She was, she was toting her in her arms, Emma. So it was 20-some years ago. And, and I was struggling with something. And uh, I was reading Scripture, and I was reading all the follow-me passages, and I was just thinking, okay. But I, I was having a tough time getting it straight in my mind because um, 
I had a family and, you know, four or five children. I didn't want to get rid of my house. And I thought it applied to me. And, and I, I, just, I just saw those things. And, and I was wrestling with it and wrestling with it. And, and I was thinking about it, you know, day, night, driving along. And, and, and Deborah, I told this story to Deborah and she laughed because I was driving along and I hit a construction site. And I'm sitting there on the construction site and they were paving a road and I was the first one up there and then the stop sign came out. So I'm sitting there and I'm mumbling because if I was five seconds earlier, I could have made it with the crowd before. But I'm sitting there. So I wait for the crowd to come this way. And then finally what happens is the, the little pickup truck turns around. It's called the pilot car and it turns around and it's there in a great big in the back of the truck. Guess what the sign said? Follow me. All right. I said, okay. The man spins it around and he says, go slow. It's not a stop sign anymore. And I'm following this pickup truck. And he says, okay, God, I get it. I get it. Some people need a a tender nudge. Some people need a two by four upside the head. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. Because sometimes I'm a little dense. But I do want to follow the Lord. Now, I don't look to my brethren in the ministry I don't look necessarily at my wife. I don't necessarily look at the people in here. I've got to look at God's word. And those pastoral epistles mean something way deeper to me than they will to you. Because God's speaking to me about the responsibilities of this office. So those are the things I need to be following. Okay? Got two more. Why? Why? Why do I need to be following the Lord? Well, it's all the hats I wear. I wear the hat of dad. I wear the hat of husband. I wear the hat of pastor. I wear the hat of Christian in the community, ambassador of Christ. This is why. Second Thessalonians 3, 9, Paul, not because we have power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. And then a second witness, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The only time it's good to follow another person is when they are following Christ. But even then, you have to be careful. Because the way they follow Christ might be a little bit different than the way you follow Christ. Right? I got preachers, friends that um, write books. Well, I guess I, if I'm going to be any preacher worth anything, I better start writing a lot of books. No, that's not my ministry. Maybe one once in a while, but no, that's, that's not the burden. I got friends that, that go overseas a lot. I guess if I'm half worth my salt, I better start going overseas. No. If God hasn't called me to go overseas, I don't. I'll support them and do what I can as they go overseas. But God has called me to go down to the rescue mission. I did that on Tuesday. I'll make a monthly commitment. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That's, I'm following Jesus. But I can't call up my friends in another city. Hey, are you preaching at the rescue mission? You're not following Jesus. No, you got to follow what the Lord's put on your heart and clear. Right? Don't use your brethren as that kind of uh, justification. So, I told you what I was going to tell you. I told it to you. Now, let me tell you what I told you, okay? God gives the command to follow Jesus. Amen? You can't follow Jesus unless you're looking at Jesus. 
are typical man-made mistakes recorded in Scripture. And also, we can just look at ourselves. We get in trouble when we get all tore up about the past and guilt. We get out of sorts when we start comparing ourselves to the brethren. We get scared when we start looking at our current circumstances. And I said, no, it's not, I'm not ready to do this yet. And we can also get it when we get too analytical or, or, or too controlling and said, no, I'm going to do it only if I know what A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z is going to turn out, and then I'll go forward and I'll do it. No, just look at Jesus and follow him and let him worry about the steps after that. That's one thing. The other thing is, is the way you follow could be very, very unique. And the idol in your heart might be absolutely stomped and the person next to you in the pew, maybe it's even your spouse. They don't have a problem with that. Amen? Amen. Now, again, with that liberty, let's suppose it's something I have a weakness with. And I do have that weakness. And God tells me to put something down. My wife might lay it down too. Not because that's how she follows Christ. She might lay it down too because she's going to deny a liberty because she doesn't want to be a stumbling block to me. That's a whole different motive for putting something down. It's not the legalism, it's the loveism. See, I, Brother Greg, I just made up a new word. He always tells me all the new words I just make up. There it is, a loveism. Okay? So may the Lord bless us as we go through our week and we look at ourselves and look at our weaknesses. Let's look to the Word of God to do our um, evaluation, our self-critique, not others. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.